So in today's segment, we're going to be tackling the second part of Healing Anger Wounds uh, from the book Managing Your Anger by Neil T. Anderson and Rich Miller. Second, to be free from our past, we have to forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Forgiving their fathers was the major turning point in both of the um, stories we studied in the previous segments. Whenever we are asked to help someone who has a root of bitterness, the source of their problem has always been unforgiveness. There is no bigger issue in Christendom than forgiveness. Without God's forgiveness, we are hopelessly lost. There are three Greek words translated forgive in the New Testament. Put together, these three words give us a powerful picture of what it means to forgive those who have offended us. The first word, aphiemi, means literally to send away and refers to Matthew 6.12 to cancelling a debt as a picture of forgiveness. The beauty of this word is not that is not only that it denotes the removal of any punishment incurred by the debt or sin, but also the complete eradication of the debt or sin itself. It is as if the offense never occurred. The application for us is that just as God has pardoned us from sin's penalty and will never hold our sins against us, so we should treat one another. The second word, kerizome, found in Ephesians 4.32, as well as other places in Scripture, is related to the word grace and refers to the giving of a good gift that is completely undeserved and unearned. We did not deserve God's forgiveness, but still God gave us. Those who, we, uh, those who have hurt us, likewise, do not deserve the forgiveness, but we are called to be like God and grant the pardon freely anyway. Finally, Apaluo is only used once pertaining to forgiveness in New Testament, Luke 6.37. The word literally means to release or set free. Combining these three words gives us a complete picture of forgiveness. To forgive one another is to give that person an undeserved gift by cancelling out their debt of sin that is owed to you, demanding nothing in payment, releasing that person, and setting the person completely free by not holding the offense against them anymore. That is exactly what God in Christ has done for us, and what he has instructed us to give others. Colossians 3.13 and Ephesians 4.32 Freely we received, and freely we give. In the middle of the Lord's Prayer, we are instructed to ask our Heavenly Father to forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. Matthew 6.12 Why is that? Because our relationship with God is inextricably bound with others. We love because he first loved us. If anyone asks or says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar, for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. 1 John four nineteen to 21 That is humanly impossible without God's grace within us. Previously, we explained that agape, God's love, is not dependent upon the object. God is not asking us to like an abuser. Nobody can order their emotions to do that. He is asking us to relate to others as he has related to us, to do the right thing on their behalf, whether we feel like it or not. That may include tough love, like turning them into the police or exercising church discipline, which is a proof of our love. Doing the right thing does not negate the need to personally forgive the one you are confronting. 
Peter asked Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to seventy times seven. Matthew eighteen twenty one to 22 Then Jesus told a parable in verses 23 to 25 about a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. One owed him 10,000 talents, and he couldn't possibly pay such a debt, which was way beyond a lifetime of wages, so the king ordered him to be sold into slavery. The servant fell on his knees and begged for mercy, promising to pay everything. Out of pity, the master released him and forgave his debt. Three words need to be defined before we finish the parable. Justice, mercy, and grace. Justice is fairness or righteousness. Or rightness. If we meted out justice, we would, be forgive, we would be giving someone what they deserved. God is a righteous God and cannot be otherwise. If he gave us what we deserved, we would all go to hell. Justice has to be served, and that is why Jesus went to the cross. He took upon himself the punishment we deserved. God is also merciful. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Titus 3, 4-5 Mercy is not giving someone what they deserve. If we throw ourselves upon the mercy of the court, we are saying, I was wrong, but I'm asking for leniency that you don't give me what I deserve. Grace is giving undeserving people what they need. Everything good in life, indeed life itself, originates from God. We love because he first loved us. We are to be merciful as he has been merciful to us. In other words, in mercy, don't give people what they deserve, but stop. But don't stop there. Be gracious. Give them what they don't deserve. Love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Luke six thirty-five to 36 Back to the parable. The forgiven slave sought out a fellow slave who owed him a hundred denarii, the denar- a denarii's wages, or a day's wages, which is a very small amount compared to 10,000 talents. When he couldn't pay it, the ungrateful slave choked him and sent him to prison. The point that can't be missed is that the moral disparity between us and God is thousands of times greater than that which exists between us and the most offensive of people. Hard to fathom, isn't it? Most of us probably think we are living a righteous life, at least in comparison to others, but therein lies the danger. We are comparing ourselves to others instead of God. Such was the case for the Pharisees who were criticizing Jesus for letting a known sinner fawn all over him. But Jesus had something to say to them. Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Luke seven forty seven. How much have you been forgiven? Little or much? How we answer that question will affect our capacity to love. In the parable, the master said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers, until he should pay all his debt. So also is the heavenly Father. Uh, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you, if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Matthew eighteen thirty-two to thirty-five. In some 
Bible translations, the word torturers is used instead of jailers. Jailers have um, may have tormented the inmates, but that misuses the spiritual connotation of the word. The same root word was used by demons who accused Jesus of tormenting them, Marks 5-7. The eternal torment that will come upon those who worship the beast in Revelations 14.10 and upon Satan and his demons, 20, to, uh, 20 verse 10. Paul urged the church in Corinth to forgive someone so that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we are not ignorant of his desire, for if we... For we are not ignorant of his designs, noma, i.e. thoughts, Second Corinthians 2.11. Unforgiveness is probably afforded Satan more access to the church than any other open door. Bitter people struggle with tormenting thoughts when they lie awake at night thinking of how others have hurt them. God doesn't turn us over to the tormentors to inflict more pain on us. This is a disciplinary move convicting us to forgive others as he has forgiven us. He doesn't want the sun to go down on our wrath, so he prompts us to face the issue. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Hebrews 12:15. We try to push down the faithful memories, but <clears throat> the painful memories, but God is trying to surface them so that we can let them go. Forgiveness is to set a captive free and then release that uh, we were slaves or realize that we were captives. Without forgiveness, we are bound to the past. Forgiveness is not forgetting. When the Lord says he will remember our sins no more, Isaiah forty-three twenty-five, he is not saying that he will forget them. God couldn't forget anything even if he wanted to, because God is omniscient. It means that he will not take the past and use it against us in the future. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Psalm 103.12 When we say to others, two years ago you did, we are actually saying, I haven't forgiven you. There will be no harmony in our homes and churches if we keep digging up the past and using it against each other. That doesn't mean that we don't testify in a court of law to ensure social justice. We should do that, but for our sakes we should forgive that person before we testify. God forgives, but he doesn't tolerate sin. Neither should we. We will never help an abuser by allowing them to continue in their sin. The abused have every right to set up scriptural boundaries to stop further abuse. If the abuser won't repent when confronted, we should report them to civil authorities. There are laws in the land against domestic and workplace violence, against verbal, physical, spiritual, and sexual abuse. We are fully aware of the risks involved in being a whistleblower at home or at work. We suggest legal counsel if that be the case. After speaking on forgiveness, an angry lady approached me and said, Sure, I'm supposed to just forgive them for ruining my life. Ten years ago, my best friend walked off with my husband. That is tragic, I said. I'm so sorry that happened to you, but you need to let that go. But you don't know how bad they hurt me, she said. They're still hurting you, I replied. Staying angry with them is only hurting yourself. It is like swallowing poison, hoping the other person will die. I see a wounded lady with one arm in the air because God has a firm grip on you and won't let you go. 
Your other arm is hanging straight down because you are holding onto the past with all your strength. Why don't you let go of the past and grab hold of God with both hands? I'll think about it, she said. She went through the steps later that day, and the change was so dramatic that her pastor's wife wondered what happened to her when she saw her Sunday morning. Whoever wrote the following said it well. Once I held in my tightly clenched fist ashes, ashes from a burn inflicted upon my ten-year-old body, ashes I didn't ask for. The scar was forced on me, and for seventeen years the fire smoldered. I kept my fist closed in secret, hating those ashes, yet unwilling to release them. Not sure if I could. Not convinced it was worth it. Marring the things I touched and leaving black marks everywhere, or so it seemed. I tried to undo it all, but the marks were always there to remind me that I couldn't. I really couldn't. But God could. His sweet Holy Spirit spoke to my heart one night in tearful desperation. He whispered, I want to give you beauty for your ashes, the oil of joy for your mourning, and the garment of praise for your spirit of heaviness. I have never heard such a trait as this, beauty beauty for ashes. My sadly seen memory is healing is for his healing word. My soot like dreams for his songs in the night. My helpless and hurting emotions for his ever constant peace. How could I be so stubborn as to refuse an offer such as this? So willingly, yet in slow motion, and yes, while sobbing, I opened my bent fingers and let the ashes drop to the ground. In silence, I heard the wind blow them away from me forever. I am now able to place my open hands gently around the fist of another hurting soul and say with confidence, Let them go. There really is beauty beyond your comprehension. Go ahead. Trust him, his beauty, for your ashes.